Lewis arranged his own mass for his sister at Kimberley's Catholic Church. I have no idea how the family coped financially after Edward died. There was probably some life insurance because people such as the pater took pains over such things. Somehow the younger children's education was completed. Fortunately or otherwise, when the First World War came, four of Edward's sons proved eligible for commissions. In an age when to become an officer, it was necessary to pass for a gentleman. One of the younger boys later attracted public attention of the most unwelcome kind, being tried at Winchester Assizes, convicted and imprisoned on charges of homosexual behaviour. But that scandal lay in the future. In the Edwardian years, Edward's children had neither fame nor notoriety. Their circumstances remained very modest. Almost all set up London homes south of the river. They remained inhabitants of the world of Mr. Pooter, albeit a literate corner of it. A typical entry in the Catholic Herald for May 1904 reports, A successful concert was given on Thursday evening in the aid of the mission at Peckham Public Hall under the direction of Claude H. Hastings. The vocal talent was represented by the Reverend W. Alton, Miss Beryl Hastings, Miss Muriel Hastings, and Mr. A. J. Hastings. The following gentlemen acted as stewards, Messrs. J. D. W. D. and J. A. Newton, Master E. J. Hastings. The church still loomed large in the family's existence. Their Aunt Emily, Edward's sister, presided as Mother Superior at a convent in Roehampton until her death in 1920. Basil, who lived in Denmark Hill, became a pillar of local Catholic charities, notably the St. Vincent de Paul Society, for which he organised and acted in local theatricals and concerts. The South London Press reported in March 1906, Few Catholic laymen are better known in South London than Mr. B. MacDonald Hastings, because of the work which he has done for the church in Southwark, for the poor and destitute. Year after year, he has organised an entertainment for the benefit of the poor at St. George's Cathedral Mission. A jovial, enthusiastic, eagerly sociable man, Basil contributed with increasing regularity to newspapers and magazines. He published light verse, much of it about cricket, together with snippets of wit in gossip columns such as, Kiss and never tell is a poor adage for the billiard table. It is just the kissing that does tell. The consistent borrower has the immense satisfaction of knowing that when he dies he will have finished ahead of the world. A clean straw hat in May is an infallible sign of solvency. This sort of thing may not make a modern audience roll in the aisles, but a century ago it played well with readers of The Bystander, London Opinion, The Star, and such like. Basil yearned to escape from his servitude at the war office. As the first decade of the century advanced, he acquired a modest journalistic reputation. In 1907 he started to go steady with the girl who became his wife, the love of his life. Billy, her full name was Wilhelmina Cruzen White, was pretty, gentle, and Catholic. She lived with her parents in Peckham. Later, 
when some members of our family developed social pretensions, they treated Billy with condescension, complaining that she was dull, unlettered, and common. This was unjust. A woman full of kindness and good nature, who had much to suffer, she proved a devoted wife in good times and bad, and the Hastingses of Trinity Square Borough were scarcely pillars of Debrett. Basil began a correspondence with Billy on the 19th of January, 1907, dispatching the first of many passionate letters which, inter alia, reveal a fascination with her underclothes. Dear little Wilhelmina with the very long name, I'm going to bed to dream of your tantalizing little feet, your brown stockings.